I'm just taking a look at a wiki for soy wax for candle making. Soy wax has continued to increase in popularity over the past few years among candle makers due to some of the benefits over paraffin wax, including soy wax is completely natural and renewable resource. I guess paraffin isn't. Uh, it's non-toxic. Okay. Uh, it burns clean. Okay. Produces measurably less soot than other waxes. When burned correctly, it is virtually soot-free. Okay. Uh, the flake form which soy waxes comes uh, are easier to measure and whatever. I'm not a candle maker. Helps support the American farmer. Whatever. Candles, spills, clean up easier. Simply soap and water. Okay. Longer burn time. Okay. See, that's, that's the thing that I, I feel like is legit. Like, it feels like it's been burning for a while. Yeah, as I'm seeing here... Soy wax is a vegetable wax derived from the oil of soybeans and primarily used in candles. After they are harvested, the beans are cleaned, cracked, de-holed, and rolled into flakes. That just sounds naughty. It is from these flakes that the oil is extracted and then hydrogenated. Hydrogenated means... Hydrogenated. Charged or combined with hydrogen. Dylan, you have lit a bomb. It's just a little bit. It's just a little bit of bomb. What is a soy birch? Soy birch. Oh, like sugared birch? Are we sure? That's the, that's the scent I have. Oh, it's sugared birch. Okay. No, it's just a candle. I think that's yeah, just okay, a okay. scent. What, what, what is this? Sugared birch candle in a... Uh, it has a hint of simple rustic charm. What is birch? Birch. I need, all these, I need all these questions. Birch is a tree, I think. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a deciduous tree or shrub. A birch is a thin-leaved deciduous. Deciduous. Yeah. Uh, deciduous, I think is how it's pronounced. It's not Decidia? It's not Final Fantasy? I don't think it's Final Fantasy. Although the tree might feel differently. When we're all gone. It will be the final. Or I guess when all the trees are gone, they'll be the Final Fantasy. So, so let's, let's take another, another thought process then. So when we chop down a tree, or when a tree falls down naturally, you know, it, it, it drops off stuff that grows into other trees. So are we counting that tree as ever really dead? Or did it just respawn and multiply? I guess that's the same thing to think about with children. When you poop out a kid, is that just you? But the child has its own mind. The tree we can't speak to. Yeah, we can't know, right? The tree is alive. We know it's alive because it's what keeps us we, alive. But we do know is that. it the same soul? Is it the same mind? Do they even have a soul? I mean... I feel it's more likely they have a soul than it is that they make a sound when they fall in the woods and no one is going to hear them. Mm, Schrodinger's tree. It is both alive and dead. That dude was weird. Eh. Yeah, he was weird. Like, did anyone ever check it on his cat? Um, the longer that we don't, the longer it lives. Are we sure? That is the only thing I, that I we are sure want, about. I, I, I just <laughs> I just want to know who let this motherfucker have an animal of any kind. <laughs> I don't know. I, I sure hope they kept him out of the pound after that. I guess. Uh, I did not okay. need to hear a story about his dog, I swear. Oh, don't, don't start this. Oh, okay. Okay, we can go now.
Hello, welcome to VG Weekly Roundup, your number one unranked weekly video game podcast every Tuesday at 9.30 p.m. Central Time and Thursday at 8 p.m. Central Time. We come live for a collection of the week's biggest gaming news, host topics, and what we've been playing right here at twitch.tv slash CLOSP. That's twitch.tv slash CLOSP. Please remember Amazon Prime. You have Prime Gaming at one month to put sub for any channel. We'll leave the channel for you, but if not, that's okay. You can still support us by liking, subscribing, the freeway, parting, sharing, reviewing, interacting. Just poke it. Just poke at it. Just, just, just do something at it. Just do something. I don't, I don't care what. Yell into the void. Throw your phone at someone, and let them, you know, wake up maybe a few hours later, and he's like, "Oh, hey, that podcast. I remember that name. I bet the one thing I remember because I got a concussion from you hitting them in the head with the phone. You know, like, just, just something. And if that isn't love, I mean. You, you never had someone throw a Turtle Beach phone case at you? With the oh, phone I shouldn't have. That's how I knew I was in a healthy, loving relationship. Which time? Yes. All right. Anyway, I'm your host, P. You can call me P. As always, I'm joined on this Thursday by Resident Speedrunner and Wannabe Game Dev Minus of at Minus 27 on Twitch. Then I don't know what love is, I guess. <sighs> yeah. Did, did you? Did you reboot yourself back to before we had that last bit of conversation? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just... Now I believe the phone story. (laughs) Okay. This is episode 15 on Thursday, uh, July 21st, 2022. Uh, Sorry about missing on Tuesday. Stuff happens. Life happens. But that's okay. We still brought the news over to go ahead and cover today, which will be a mixed bag of... We'll see what's going to happen here. We're going to go ahead and talk about uh, GameStop being god-awful and thinking that they're still somehow going to be saved. They're not. Uh, Nintendo, actually, big good guys? You know? Okay. Uh, skate developers, just making choices that people have opinions on, because of course they do. And possibly we'll talk about the PlayStation Stars loyalty program announced. The big thing you want to know, folks, if you're getting confused by it, uh, PlayStation Royalty Program, it's not NFTs, but there's a program there. If we get to that, we'll get to it. We're not promising you that story, because before we get to all of that, we're going to go ahead and bring the segment back we haven't had in a few weeks. What have we been playing? We've Can actually we had... We, we uh, You're going first this time. Okay. We actually did have uh, some opportunities to play, mm-hmm. which is lovely. Um, I know that I you had, had one you were going to bring up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I caught COVID. Not my fault. It was everybody else's. Uh, but I got COVID right around the time that uh, Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes came out. Let me go ahead and get that rolling. So, for those who don't know, Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes is the uh, Warriors take from Wowie Tecmo of Fire Emblem Three Houses but with Dynasty Warriors gameplay. And let me tell y'all, we all saw it coming. We all knew it was going to happen. But just so we're very clear, God, I love this fucking game. Like, I love Warriors games in general, but, like, this game is really goddamn fun. Again, this is a retelling of Three Houses. This time, though, you are not playing as the MC character of Byleth who is the uh, teacher of one of the houses in the story that goes on from there. No, this time you are instead a mercenary by the name of... I 
didn't use the name because it was a stupid ass name. I, I I called them by the actual customization name. So I think it was like says or sees or some, something like that. I don't know. It's a really dumb fucking name. I, either way, it's a mercenary. You start off with, they don't know the repast or anything. Uh, they come in contact with uh, Geralt's mercenaries, which means that their first fight is with Byleth themselves. And naturally, they lose badly. But in doing so, your this main character learns about the fact that they have powers that are similar to that of the actual secret antagonist of the three houses, those that still are in the dark. And basically your story of you end up at the school, not as a teacher, but as a student in one of the houses, and uh, your journey to get stronger and eventually fight Byleth and kill them. Um, as you instead now have another ghosty spirit type motherfucker inside of you that is not uh Sothis from Three Houses, but instead Arval from somewhere else. I it's it's a lot going on there all at once. Key takeaways though, uh I love this more than I love the original game. It it has more personality. It it feels like an actual like war happening. The it skips ahead like whereas you had to spend half your time in each house going through the school arc which was identical for everyone to get to the actual interesting and different war arc. Uh, Three Hopes is very much a you pick your house and pretty early on within like the first uh, three chapters or so uh, in the prologue, because it is start with the prologue, you know, um, you basically jump ahead, not five years like in the main game, but two years, and the war basically starts on all three from three different fronts. What I really like about it is the fact that your uh, protagonist time around, while you can't, once again, choose male or female, um, they are voiced. Your character is voiced time around. And let me tell y'all, again, this is pushing me more and more into the ground, the realm that I've always said of Fire Emblem needs to change because, oh my god, this character is just so much cooler than Byleth. The simple fact that they have a personality and their interactions with the other characters is fucking great. And not to mention as well, the interaction, as, again, they have the support lines. They have the ABC stuff. A lot of people, not everyone has ABC. Some people only have up to B. Some people only have C. But some people, you know, they do talk. And the, again, the actual interactions of having your character have a personality that does communicate, it's, just, it's, it's a whole new fucking ball game with that. Like, it just, it really made me care and give a shit about the story in a way that Three Houses did not for the sake of, again, Silent protagonist. I think it. They even kind of poke fun at the fact that Byleth is a silent protagonist in the main game because Byleth doesn't talk very much, and their character, uh, when you interact with them in the game at certain points, is kind of, uh, not even nonchalant, but they are very uh, solemn and, you know, kind of bratty almost in a, like, don't bother me type of way. Or like very um aloof type of way, because uh, they don't really have a personality. They, they they like the the character you basically gave a personality to in your imagination in uh, the original game, because you're not playing them anymore and having to form all these bonds. Now when you meet up with them, it's very much a matter of like, oh, okay, huh, all right then, and you know stuff of that nature. So it's it's honest kind of kind of cool for them to uh, poke that kind of fun at it. Um. Again, Dynasty Warriors type combat, not really much to say there. It is very much your uh, simple attack, simple attack, simple attack, charge attack, 
the Musu special attack on there. Uh, what has become more common with the licensed warrior ga warrior games is the fact that you can control four people at once. You go ahead and hit the pause menu and start the fights. You can go ahead and assign people to go fight in different parts of the field and swap between them on the field. Uh, they do keep the classic um, rock, paper, scissors style of advantages on the game itself to go ahead and build on there. And it's it's just really cool in the way that, again, personality, they say, fuck you, the story, uh, the school arc, pretty much. Um, and you jump right into the actual war itself, of depending on who you pick. And uh, from there, the missions are kind of similar to what was in the first game of not so much every month, but every chapter basically is, here's a map, you have all these different sections you can go ahead and do to gain resources and advantages for your final fight in that chapter. And with a few caveats, uh, maybe some of them have uh, restrictions on them. Maybe some of them are timed where you may not get a bonus uh, map or, or a bonus combat action because you didn't get there in the right way. Uh, but you do gather resources in terms of stuff to upgrade your base, like the blacksmith, the armorer, the uh, the training guides, the way to go ahead and increase personal techniques at a, at a tactics place, uh, the making the shop better, making getting upgradable um, crafting material better, all of this kind of stuff, uh, the way to make bonds stronger, you know, through like eating and doing chores, all this really good, really well balanced. Um, and it's it's a nice little extra piece of the puzzle, you know, to go ahead and do to help yourself out. Uh, from there, again, though, it the, the thing that really goes on there is they do what Fire Emblem normally can't. And again, I'm saying it more and more. This is what they need to go ahead and do in the future. Of they lean much more, uh, much more reliably on the role of, hey, what if casual mode was treated as the default mode? What if we just assumed people don't necessarily have to die? You don't have to worry about losing someone in the battle, and they plan to have them there, which which makes them able to go ahead and be there for more important, like, story-driven parts. Or, and even then, they, they are around, and not maybe for big story parts, the interaction still, again, with the bonds, the, the, you know, the ABC support system, those kind of interactions, because they're not based around some bullshit, you know, oh, the highest tier of interaction is a romance option, their communications are actual character base and honestly interesting. And it's just, it's just so much of you keep, the more you invest in this game, the more interesting it becomes. And it's so awesome to see that it's everything I wish three houses actually was in the original game of get straight to the actual story, which is the war arc, get more honest character developments that are not about being tropey um, dating sim kind of bullshit have the characters have important parts, more important parts in the actual stories. And what I thought was really cool about is they expand by adding in new characters by, by default. You know, you have the option in each run to go ahead and get at the DLC characters, the Ashen Wolves um, from the, the DLC in the original game. <clears throat> and then also some characters that you hear about constantly in the actual... Uh, Three Houses game, but you never really see or interact with, such as like Holst, who is this, you know, one group's uh, the alliance is like strongest warrior, things of that nature. You just never really see what you hear about constantly. Um, and they balance that out by making it so that you, unlike in the Three Houses game, depending on what route you take, 
you can't get all of the kids. Some of them, because of the motivations, really would be they wouldn't leave their um their side. You can't recruit them. And it's a weird it's a kind of funny thing of like I didn't realize this until the end, and now that I'm on a second run through with another house. I my first run was with the Black Eagles, was a of course, I've always said it before, three houses. The other two houses don't make sense. Black Eagles is the only canonical answer of how the story goes because they are the only ones that don't get to fully finish off their story because if they did, the other two houses wouldn't make sense. So the Golden Deer are the can't everybody get along houses that honestly are just kind of stupid to go ahead and, and play as after you've done uh, you know, the Black Eagles and the uh, Blue Lions are cops. Literally just cops. They're, they're, they're fucking terrible. They leave the world in a terrible state. They're pro-church. They're pro-theocracy. They're pro-nobility. Um, like, they're, just, they're just like... I don't, I don't care what anyone says. They're not, they're not good characters. They're, they're cops. They're absolutely cops. Like, it's, it's so fucking stupid. But what I did like about it was the fact that... While there are some subtle changes, absolutely, depending on what house you choose... The story, effectively, does still follow the same path for the most part of like what does happen. So the battles are basically you playing them that typically did happen originally, but from a slightly different perspective, as opposed to just being vastly different, like in uh, uh, three houses, the original game. And it's just really, really cool to see that. And like, I'm like, Oh, so I wonder what they were doing during this time. If they had kept all their people and you get to find out. But also part of, like I said before, when they gain so many characters, some of them you can't get because they just wouldn't leave their houses. But also, despite the fact you are on casual mode, they've made it. I I give uh, them the full props on this. You have to kill some of the kids. Like, even the ones that you would have had a chance to go ahead and recruit in the original base game. No, because that's just who the character is. They would not leave their chosen side. You end up killing them. And they kind of like come out of nowhere to die. And everyone's like, damn, that kind of sucks. And it's very canonical of like, no, that that's, that's for me, that's what I, I don't, I don't buy into this bullshit of, oh man, you know, this person is gone forever. Don't you feel that emotional attention to it? No, it's shitty writing, uh, shitty writing because you play the level badly. For the most part, people will just go ahead and scum save anyway. See if they can go and keep everybody. There's no point in that in this route because some of the people, they, they die. Like they, you have to kill them. And it's so crazy to go through that. And the way that it happens, even though, like, again, when you, if you go and complete the full maps on there, you get extra resources you can then go ahead and use to unlock, like, certain strategic abilities or persuade people to go ahead and join your side in the final fight of each chapter. And it's just really fucking cool to see all that happen, but still them have those real stakes of, no, after a certain point in battle, you're going to have to, to finish the battle, you got to kill somebody. Like, oh, and they're gone for good, and they're gone for good. It's like, God damn. So, I, I I can't say enough. My first run through with Black Eagles, I did 118 hours and 59 minutes. Exactly one hour and one minute short of how long I thought it was going to take. I'm going to remember that time frame for the rest of my fucking life. 118 hours and 59 minutes. Literally one minute off. Like, I don't know. I, I can't sing this game's praises enough. 
if you didn't play the original game, I would still say you have a chance to pick this up and enjoy it. Like again, it's just it's just really cool. It's it's really cool to have these characters who are kind of this tropey love simulator bullshit in the original game, but have much more fleshed out characters around. Maybe we don't get as deep into the story, obviously, because sometimes you just you know they don't have the connection with um, the protagonist in this game as opposed to Byleth in the original game. That is absolutely a thing. They do make that very clear of this protagonist is not as strong or as complete as Byleth. Therefore, that is why they can't save all the kids. That is also why they have to handle things a certain way. Um, so they don't get as much story from each individual necessarily. Uh, and it, it's, just a, it's just a really good outing. I don't know. It's really cool. Best thing about it, again, I just said I put in 118 hours and 59 minutes into my first playthrough with Black Eagles. Best thing about that, Damn near everything carries over into your next uh, playthrough if you do New Game Plus. So all the supports, even on the characters who you had to recruit and didn't get naturally, all the upgrades to the bases, all the items that you unlocked, all the levels, all the classes that your characters had, their uh, support levels amongst the characters themselves, not just with you, all of that. You get to keep it as opposed to in Three Houses where a lot of that had, you had to go ahead and rebuild and get back up there. And it's just a matter of, no, you've already played enough here you can cheese through this. Even if you want to like auto battle and skip like all the extra fights and just go straight to the big parts of it, you can definitely go ahead and do so. And it re it reward it rewards you for how much you play because you get to keep basically everything. And honestly, for some people, they might say like, "Oh, that's kind of cheap. Why would you go and do all that?" It's like because I put 118 hours and 59 minutes to the first fucking playthrough. I don't have that in me again. I don't want to do that all again. So, like, I'm a few chapters in now on Golden Deer because I, I don't know. I don't know that I'll ever play Blue Lions because why would I want to be a cop? And they're literally just cops. They're terrible. Ter they're a terrible fucking house. Make no goddamn sense. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's me and Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes. I really enjoy it. I'm excited to go ahead and play more of it for the sake of, like, uh, again, getting the other perspectives on there. And just seeing what happens. I, I feel like we're definitely going to go ahead and get a DLC in the future that tells even more story. And I am here for it. Let's fucking go. So um, I think you pretty much answered the question I was going to have about the game. Uh, the first one was if you felt if uh, someone hadn't played Three Houses, could they still enjoy this game if they picked it up? Yeah, for the most part. Like, um, it is very much, here's a giant cast of characters um and you're just interacting with them so again the characters time around you don't get as deep with them because your bonds with them aren't as strong as they were with the uh, main character in three houses um you know because they, they wanted to make a reason like as to why this person is the way that why the story is the way that it is with this, with this individual you know this time around they couldn't just you know make this character be the be all end all there's a they reason that, it, oh, huh? yeah, yeah they, they couldn't retcon it. They couldn't make it. They couldn't make them the uh, the uh, plot, the plot armor device. Mm. Um, but again, you still get them. You understand who they are. If anything, I still, I almost kind of prefer them. And you know, if you if you get character archetypes, I almost prefer this still over going through three houses for the sake of again. The characters are not there to be like um, Otome love simulator bullshit on there. They are very honestly written characters. That's how the bonds actually are written this time around, where it is just you're exploring and learning more and more about them. And so they're more, um, 
genuine, I would say. Like, it feels like in Three Houses, they got written a certain way, and, you know, you get the archetype behind them, and that, that's fun. This time around, it's basically people who already knew what they did originally, and, you know, they've already crawled, and now they're running with the characters, and it's really cool. So I kind of enjoy their depiction, their interactions more so this time around, even if maybe you don't get the same deep, 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 like backstories you might have gotten in three houses but even again it's not bad i just i just know they don't go as deep necessarily but it's still so cool i i find them more likable in a way almost the other part was how you would compare this to other franchised uh warriors games um and far from a gameplay perspective compared to hyrule warriors or one piece or whatever. I want to say this is the best they've done. Do they have a particular mechanic that, um, well, that really stuck way, with you? It's just the way that it works. We're like, because of the class system, they really went in on, okay, this is how you attack and everything, you know, basic, you know, uh, one, two, three, four light attack, then the charge attack and the different ways to charge can affect the way the classes work, where they really do play differently for the most part, the way that in those classes, you can go ahead and, learn different skills that are like, you know, like special soul attack. You normally get two special skills that you can go ahead and use having a way you can master those and learn others. So you can keep like making the gameplay different and the way that, you know, that let's say sometimes a giant monster comes in the field to go ahead and break them. So they take damage more easily. You have to have a certain character or certain weapons attack them and break their guard, but it's going to be different things. So it's not, it's not just constant, um, you know, keep hitting until it dies. You can play that way, but if you want to explore everything, there's so much to explore and really just enjoy. Like, it's, again, because of the way that you can control four people at once and you have control of who you deploy for the most part, it really does feel like you're just playing so many different classes, so many different games. Like, it is it minor in a sense? Yeah, sure. It's not, like, completely different, but it's still fun. It's just enough variety to keep it fresh for me. Like that, yeah, that yeah. is one thing I think the Warrior games didn't really have. I mean, um, and that was strategy. It didn't really feel like I need a lot of strategy to play those games. I kind of just went in and I mashed buttons till they died. Yeah. Um, and the only thing I needed to know was how to get around the map as fast as possible and do my stuff. Exactly. Um, and, and also, so, yeah. they kind of make it a thing of like, the greatest round is if you want to get the S rank, you have to be uh, meet all the ranks of time, how much damage you take, how many enemies you kill. So it honestly kind of doesn't it doesn't punish you, but it doesn't give you the highest rank if you're really just going from A, B, and C. It it's like mm -hmm. hey, but are you really like? changing battles or are you just rushing through this you you honestly get a bit more reward for really partaking in the battle okay i, I mean that's interesting because i love warriors games i just have never been into fire emblem yeah. so yeah like i will say like if you want to right now the demo is out there it's like the first four chapters i think it is which is basically the prologue in probably like one uh chapter of each of the houses and that will carry over into the main game. So if you want to get a taste of it, see how it feels, that option is there. Mm -hmm. And it's free. I might have to do that. Yeah. 
So, like, I don't know. I can't recommend it enough. This is really good. Uh, it will definitely be in my goatee conversation personally because I am that person. And, yeah, I, I feel safe saying this is, like, um, the best Warriors game I've played in a while. Definitely. If not the best that they've made so far. Again, they they had the the advantage of they didn't make a Fire Emblem Warriors game before, which was a cabbage of all the different uh, fighters from across the Fire Emblem games at that time. And that was a fun game. It had a lot of the same principles as this one, but it was very much a, you know, license, mash everybody together from the universe and have fun with that. I really enjoyed it, but it was very much, you know, that all-star cast type thing, you know? Um, where this one has a focused story, and it's just it's just really fucking cool, you know? Like, yeah. I always wanted an excuse to come back to this world and experience something new here. This has given it to me, and I really love it. I really, really do love it. The world of three houses is a really cool world. Um, again, the weakest thing about it is the thing that's always been kind of weak in Fire Emblem because it had to research. It's an awakening of they always come up with reasons to go ahead and make you, you know, very much keep playing it and playing it over and over again, as opposed to the classic Fire Emblem games that are very much strongly narrative driven um, and a bit more um, difficult in terms of like, how how do you attack this? Uh, so having that back here, uh, and some of it can be very difficult on your first time around, but for the sake of, you know, the, that first time around, uh, who you send where does matter, how you do things does matter, resource management, like, it has a challenge on there, it, it's, it has enough to keep you interested, if you, if you get into it, it really does have enough to keep you interesting. Awesome, very good. So, yeah. I don't know. I went Reese to talk about that. That's 118 hours and 59 minutes. That's, that's, that's a lot to talk about there, folks. And, like, again, I think the worst thing about it is the fact that they did do something that kind of sucks where their combat is very much based on the classes rather than the characters. So, for the classes, they were in Fire Emblem games. For some classes, you can go ahead and use uh, multiple weapons for a class, depending on the situation. For the most part here, it really is, when you get to the higher-end classes, you get one weapon, that's it. And that kind of sucks because you can't really customize the class as much as you want to back then. They all play differently, but you can't really customize them the way like you would in like um, uh, the the default game, the original Fire Emblem game. Like some classes, you could use a bow, uh, a bow, a sword, and a uh, spear for certain classes. For this time around, like it's really just you know a bow or a spear or something like that, so it, it's a bit limited there, but it's still fun. It really is still fun. Check out the demo if you're interested. Check out the demo. Don't take my word for it. Play it, see what you like, and that will carry over to the main game if you like it enough. I really like this demo move that I've been seeing in a lot of games. Right? Like it's so um, cool. Yeah. Uh, tri triangle strategy. I think it was the last one that i was like ah i don't know how i feel and i played the demo and then i bought the game yeah I so saw that. it's it's uh it's solid it's mm -hmm. just, i think it's a solid tactic that i i hope more people do and 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 not even just like tastes but like they really like get you far enough in the story to be invested and then they cut you off and they're like hey yeah. if you want to continue just pay us yeah like uh what is it um the game is coming out this week uh i just bought it I'm looking for a uh, live live on switch again. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they during the same thing. If you get to a certain point in demo, it does carry over. So if you want to try it out first, do so. I'm very excited about that. I 
Reddit reviews this week of it being getting really solid ones, and even saying how it's not that long of a game. It's like twenty hours ish. Each of the six pathways are like two or so hours, and but it mm. feels very strong, very original, and like it's very digestible. It's like fuck yeah, let's go. So I'm I'm loving this world of like just try the game out. You like it, cool. Carry your save over. Buy the game. Keep playing. Like fuck yeah, I'm do it. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, I'm a fan. All right, but that's me, Minus. What have you been playing? I have... uh, So, last... Yes, last week. Last week, I uh, actually got my Steam Deck in. Uh, It came in the mail. uh, And so I booted it up. And uh, once I booted it up, I thought, okay, I need to play something on it to be able to test out and try it. And the game I chose, I've been just sitting in my library forever, was Disco Elysium. It's uh, it's uh, it works well on the Steam Deck, so I gave it a shot, uh, and I'm about twelve, fifteen hours into it right now, and it is surprisingly deep and interesting as an RPG game, and I didn't really know what to expect. Um, I'll I'll touch a bit onto the synopsis and how it is. So for those who don't know, Disco Elysium is uh. A role-playing video game from 2019, developed and published by Z-A-U-M. Looks like an acronym. Um, let's see. It was inspired by Infinity Engine era games like Plan, like Planescape Torment, written and designed by Estonian novelist Robert Hurwitz. Uh, and its art style is like oil painting-ish art style. Mm-hmm. Um, so... What's interesting about this role-playing game, which when you look at it, it's kind of isometric role-playing style games akin to things like... uh, God, what was I thinking about? I was thinking about Divinity or... uh, If it's Dragon... Dragon, Probably a bit closer, but... uh, Or things like... um, Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate, thank you. That's what I was thinking of. So uh, that's kind of the vibe I got. Or maybe even the early fallouts, right? Yeah. Um, and then you turn it on, and about three to five hours into it, I realize how different it is. Um, and so at least the the, the wording I see here, I'm, I'm pulling a lot of this from the Wikipedia on the game because mm-hmm, it's it's so far been the only thing that actually really articulates this well enough. So Disco Elysium is a non-traditional role-playing game featuring no combat. There's no combat in the game which I didn't know until I'm about three to five hours in and realize I'm not fighting anything in this game. You're, you have two like health bars. You have one for like your actual like physical health and one for your morale. And they take damage based on actions. Uh, but you don't actually have combat mechanics. So it says instead events are resolved through skill checks and dialogue trees via a system of 24 skills that represent different aspects of the protagonist, such as his perception and pain threshold. In addition, a system called the thought cabinet represents his other ideologies and pain and personality traits with players having the ability to freely support or suppress them. The game is based on a tabletop role playing game setting that Curvis had previously created, blah, blah, blah. It won a lot of awards and it actually had um this is really cool and i think i'm glad i got into the game now last year it had its final cut like definitive edition released yeah that that. released with full voice acting 
So I didn't know it originally really well at it because I've been having voice acting and it's been it's interesting. The voice acting and the dialects are are very foreign um, and they're very heavy accents. So it's really interesting. Um, let's see here. So it's uh, so while the gameplay features no combat in the traditional sense, it handles uh, everything through skill checks and dialogue trees. There are four primary abilities intellect psyche physique and motorics so you imagine those things like your mind um or your intelligence or your like physical or dexterity each ability has six distinct secondary skills for a total of 24 and the player improves these skills by leveling up and then choosing which one the things all the things that you wear can also positively or negatively impact certain skills Upgrading these skills helps players uh, pass skill checks based on random dice rolls, but potentially result in negative effects and character quirks, discouraging discouraging min maxing. So, and when you actually look at all this, uh, the skills and you read them over when at the beginning of the game, it actually does talk to you about the kind of because uh, they basically all the things describe a personality. They describe the way that your character is and thinks. Mm-hmm. Um, so it talks about players with a really high this could suffer from this where if it's really low you suffer from this so that's that idea of kind of discouraging like min maxing it says for instance a player character with a high drama uh may be able to detect and fabricate lies effectively but also become prone to hysterics and paranoia likewise high electrochemistry shields the player from the negative effects of drugs and provides knowledge on them but also may lead to substance abuse or other self-destructive behaviors so it's really interesting, uh, and it talks a little bit in here, but I won't read off of that anymore. The um, the, the other concept is that a lot of them are kind of like um, they're opposites of each other sometimes, or they don't always agree. And a lot of these personality traits are actually driving inner monologue of your character. So a whole bunch of the dialogue that happens is you talking to yourself or a part of you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those parts will argue with each other. Um, and an attempt to either give you insight or to kind of change the way you think about a situation. Um, so it's been real interesting. The character that I've made so far has been more intellectual and more like a, cause the, in the game, you're a detective. It's an RPG about you being playing a detective. Yeah. And so I initially start with making my guy very dexterous and very intelligent. So he's lower on the physique and stuff. So he's not very good at intimidation. He's good at logic and, um, understanding a crime scene as well as being able being really nice with it, like a gun, which you don't have. Um, so it's, it's really interesting. And so it's, it's definitely, it went from being a game that was just sitting in my library for a year or two to be something that I can't stop thinking about. And I really want to see where it goes. Nah, I've been there. I understand. Like I yeah. have always heard nothing but good things about, Disco Elysium. Like, the only thing that's not me is the fact that I know without combat with a game that intense, I will get bored and walk away. The voice acting uh, did almost make me go in there, but I, I just know who I am. Like, I have no negative feelings towards it or like, oh, but it doesn't have that, so I can't be that great. I believe it's that great. I absolutely do. I, I just know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to want something to do a little bit more with. with this yeah, I can, I can feel those moments where you're like, I have been talking like i've been in this dialogue and uh there's a crime scene that you spend time at right you go to the Mm -hmm. crime scene you start doing stuff 
I realized when I was finally walking away from crime scene, I had been there for two hours. Yeah. Real time. And in those two hours, all I did was read dialogue or yeah. listen to dialogue for two hours. Um, and I was interested. I'm interested in like, okay, well, here's the things I do know. I need to come back to later to do this. You've got a, you've got a partner who's writing stuff down. Um, but it was that moment I realized that I don't think there's much combat in here. And oh my God, this is the game. Yeah. Um, so there, there are parts of it. I really do love about that. And then there are parts where the, the game is also hyper political. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. And so a lot of times they get into a lot of political conversations. A, a lot of the politics are, are like strictly within the game, but I mean, they, 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 they translate. And so you're, you get, you start listening to all these politics and people get, and racism, like rampant racism. So mm -hmm. you just hear people talking, talking and talking about this stuff. I just spent an hour having someone teach me about advanced race theories um, and I had to have him explain to me all these different races, all of whom races I don't know. They're not re they're not races in the traditional sense, like what probably you and I imagine. They're races yeah. within the game of different people from the different islands or different walks of life. And they don't like gloss over it. This dude like is passionate about this subject and goes into all of it. And you're just sitting there like, oh my God, this is not interesting to me. I don't want to hear your racist rants, dude. Yeah. But you have to because he's huge and he's blocking your way. And this is one way to get him out of your way is to appease him because I'm not a big dude and I can't fight him. Yeah. Um, so there are parts where I'm like, I get it. I, I, I don't think that that would be enticing for everyone. But I also do see how maybe someone who played it would actually build their character differently and not actually deal with the bullshit I'm dealing with, uh, which I find on the flip side pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's the game in a nutshell. I've been playing it on the Steam Deck, uh, and it's been it's been working pretty solid uh, as a device that I can take to my bed and play, uh, and just sit in my bed and play the game. It's been great, especially because I get tired of sitting at my computer um, yeah. playing games, and being I work on a computer and then I play on a computer, so it's a different way to play. But I can play the games that I already have. Um. And of the 500 or so games, let's say, that I have in my Steam library, uh, 150 of them are approved, like a, like a, like they have passed verified. all, yeah, verified, there you go, for the Steam Deck. Uh, they don't stop you from playing anything. They just tell you, here's games that we don't think are going to work at all or have shown to not work at all. Here's some we haven't tested. Here's some that are kind of playable uh, or mostly playable. And then here's some that are just fine. Uh, admittedly, I actually did play, I was playing, um, uh, I was playing Power Wash Simulator because they just had their 1.0 release. Uh, so I was playing it. I was actually playing with the boy here. I was playing with one of the kids because uh, it has a cross-platform uh, multiplayer. He's playing on the Xbox, and I'm walking in with mine, and I'm like, ooh, hey, let me join your room. Um, but in order to join cross-platform, you have to type in a code, and I couldn't type it in on the Steam Deck. It, the, the keyboard never popped up, and I couldn't type it in, and I'm like, uh, okay, well, so that doesn't work. Uh, I had to make him join me, but um, it's one of those things where you find these little quirks and you're like, oh, that's something that just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, we had some talks about this device, I think a couple of weeks ago. 
Um, and after handling it for about a week now, most of the things that you and I talked about it, I think, uh, I still ring really true. This is not a game changer, right? This is not a mobile device. Yeah. Right. I, I think I get three hours of battery life playing Disco Elysium on this thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's nothing magnificent. I keep this thing plugged in more times than not. Yeah. Um, and the i think that the control stuff is okay it's a little strange all the controls are on the very top of the device and then there's two like touchpads in the middle to handle like the mouse cursor on both halves of the screen and you yeah. can kind of have two running it is interesting um there are some flaws i have with this thing for one it does not function when they're sleeping so it doesn't download when you have it turned off that's annoying as shit at all yes it is a problem that i have with it and it's it's i think it's a physical limitation i went looking it up that yeah. i think it only has one cpu in it and it doesn't have like the cpu they chose to, just doesn't support that yeah. so you can't just set stuff to download and then just put it to sleep and then come back to it later you have to just leave it running um now you can change settings so that it'll download while you're playing other games that's pretty simple to do and you can do that but like in your first downloads, when you first get it, like you just, okay, let me set this to download. And then I, uh, I, I guess I'll just put it here on the table and stare at it until it's done downloading. Hopefully it wasn't something big. And it can't, and it can't go to sleep. It can't sleep. You, it you don't put it to sleep. It'll stop. It'll stop downloading. Like that's crazy. Yeah. It, it's a little wild, especially when you're, when you're a little spoiled by like the switch and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, that well, can just be modern day console. Stuff. Honestly any device really yeah um yeah it just it can't it can't handle it um it's not the end of the world but it, it's noticeably uh it's annoying it's, no, it's, it's, it's annoying we're, we're right? past that that's that's the, that's the on true we're past that yeah it's a it's it's a little unfortunate uh yeah. because you either are downloading while playing which i hope you're not playing something online um or you're just letting it sit there because you're downloading a 60 gig game on it um and it's gonna take a second yeah. but um i mean all things considered um uh, it also does have the ability kind of built in to stream from your machine so if your machine's on you can stream to your steam deck so that your you know your machine is running it and you're just playing from your steam deck yeah. um that's kind of cool um but I think it has some similar limitations that the Steam Link does. Uh, and since I actually have a very strange situation at my place where my my machine and my Wi-Fi are not the same internet provider. <laughs> I, I forgot about when, that. That's, that when is my, such bullshit. When my, when my Steam Deck connects through Wi-Fi, it actually has to leave the house, come in another provider just to get to my computer. All of a sudden, it is a noticeable, like uh performance hit on the streaming um, i'm so sorry that's just that's just not fucking fair like if we can be real for a second that's not fucking fair that, that sucks and now now that is not a situation most people will have yeah yeah i could test it i could test it harder if i plug this thing straight into my my wireless router mm -hmm. and then test that i could do that and it'll probably work okay it's still wi-fi on this thing so it's not going to be the greatest but um yeah, it was funny. I was thinking about it when I was testing it out, um, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is not great." Um, and then I thought about, it, I was like, "Oh, okay. I th actually, I can think why it wouldn't be." Um, 
So, so yeah, um, I'll tell you, I'll admit that I got the big one. So this was about $700 I put down on this thing. Yeah. I think that that's too much money. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's really cool and I intend to use it for exactly what I desire it for, which is the ability to play certain games that I like kind of more control ish things that mm-hmm. I play on a game pad kind of on this and something that I can play. So I don't have to sit at my computer desk. Yeah. Um, but also I guess that I don't want to set up my steam link and just play on a TV, but I can also take it in the bathroom so I can, uh, I'll, ne- I'll never have to. I never had to poop without Elder Rings again, or Elden Ring. Hey, and it's only three hours of battery life, so at least you know you won't be stuck there forever. That's true. That's true. If I decide to to prolapse a little bit, it can and only the, be the for ba- three hours tops. The battery is going to drop just enough for you to notice after that first hour that you forgot mm-hmm. you're still in the toilet. And that is important. Yeah. For people who don't know this, that's important. That, that's, a, that's a decent time to like remind someone, oh, I forgot I'm still here. exactly yeah you i've seen the low battery notification enough times in the last week to 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 like just to notice like that's an often that's an that's often that i'm seeing the battery is low so yep that's my synopsis on it i look forward to seeing how they continue to improve it yeah um but i wouldn't sell my soul for it but again just to get to the point on this this is the big thing i want to make sure You, you we are in agreement then this thing is not a portable device. No, I can't. I can't in good conscience call it that. Um, I'm sitting in my bed and within a single playthrough already getting, I say playthrough, within a three hour playthrough of a game, I'm I'm already seeing like low battery notifications. Yeah. Um, and that's all I'm doing with it. Right. And so uh, I think it boasts having a three to four hour battery life anyway. So it's good for short bursts in car rides. Or plug this thing into a wall and just play it. It gets a little hot, but not on the hand part. Thank God. How do you, you know, feel about the, the size in terms of portability? This thing's fucking huge. Okay. I didn't even mention how fucking big it is. I sent y'all pictures. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I wish I had brought it over and compared it to my Switch. I don't have my Switch on me. But uh, this thing feels bigger than that. Yeah. And I have the... Uh, I have the uh, the newer model, the OLED one. Um, and the, this thing, I remember pulling this thing out of the box when I unboxed it. I said, this fucker's huge. Yeah. Um, I have, I okay, have and, a uh, um, Sega Game Gear feels. Yeah, I guess so. it doesn't feel thick. It just feels long. Like yeah. my hands are really far apart from each other. I can't hold both sides and then touch my thumbs together. Like I can't, it's long. Um, like I, I skip arm days, so yeah, a, that, that'd be a problem for me. I have a um, yeah, and, and as for weight, like it's uh, when I'm sitting in bed playing on it, I do feel a tendency to like lay it on me. Uh, holding up for long periods can get uh, achy. Um, I think that's a big thing I'm looking forward to when they finally come out with the dock for this thing. That will be interesting to me. Because it'll feel like a pretty, like a, like a fancy, like dedicated steam machine um, that I could like put on, play on my big screen and then pick it up so that I don't have to stop playing when I go to the bathroom. That's fair. And then walk back over and plug it in. What I spent $800 on that luxury, I already have, but I would not suggest that to other people. (laughs) Yeah. Like I did this. You don't have to. Yes. Yes. I, uh, yeah, I did that. 
it does come with uh it actually does come with its own uh sd card slot so you can upgrade these things mm-hmm. uh so that's nice you probably don't need to go for like the full monty like i did yeah um but what was it uh, i saw a fucking micro sd card for the switch that was one terabyte Mm-hmm. Just insane. That's that's a lot. That's a lot of space. Um. Yeah, I I have found, and while I, sometimes when you start downloading a lot of those big games, it doesn't feel like enough space or a lot of space. But also, I did learn, and I had to tell myself this: I don't need that much shit installed all at once. Yeah, I don't play that much shit at once, and download speeds are not that slow these days, at least for me. That I look at a game and I go, "Ah, eh, just delete it. I'll download it later." Yeah. Yeah. So, so these, you know, having three, four terabytes of space available just to store game data on, I've got better things to use that storage for. So, anyway, um, that is my experience, my little side bonus experience with the Steam Deck. Um, not, not a mobile device, um, a really nice screen mobile screen that i plug into my tv it's it's a nice bed device yeah it's a nice bed device i like it's it a in nice bed. It's, it's a nice that you have you live with somebody they want the tv like yeah yes if they want someone a tv nice luxury option yeah yeah so, uh, similar things that you kind of get with the switch right you're playing it and exactly. someone wants a tv and you're like fine you take the switch out and you play it it kind of like that except this thing is huge and it's really annoying to find a good place to store it but yeah. um yeah I can't say I regret it. I just, I couldn't in good conscience tell people to just go out and spend the amount of money that it's for. When the mount comes out, I'd like to revisit it. When the actual like dock comes out, I'd like to revisit it and see how that goes. Mm -hmm. Okay. I know. Yeah. I know that we dove a lot into that today, but yeah, it happens. So what we're going to do folks is, um, you're getting two stories this week, okay? We've been here for a little bit. We're going to make it short in stories. You're just going to get the first two stories because they're going to be fun ones. And well, okay, well, okay, actually, let me take that back. Not, not going to be completely fun. One of those is very, very sad. But second one's going to be, oh, oh yeah, let's go. But uh, yeah, let's go and start with the first story here. Uh, minus mm-hmm. zero. Yeah, I actually put like this. Start with this one so we can end on a better note. Exactly. Let's talk about GameStop. Everyone knows GameStop. Uh, more specifically, let's talk about GameStop doing more stupid shit. Um, this is, uh, this is, uh, GameStop fires Game Informer staff as it doubles down on NFTs and the blockchain it's from, uh, Paul Tassie over at Forbes magazine. So, um, <sighs> GameStop has started another large round of layoffs yesterday, yesterday being, that would have been July 7th, July 8th is the, uh, time of this article, yeah. uh, which included its own CFO being fired. With, report, with reports of upwards of 150 employees being let go, including key staff at Game Informer, the beleaguered magazine and website, which has already been a target of cuts before this. All of this in the service of GameStop's new plan to invest and in, invest big into an increasingly unstable space, Web3, the blockchain, and NFTs. The blockchain was the main focus of elite internal memo sent out by CEO Matt Furlong and a quote him change will be a constant as we evolve our commerce business and launch new products through our 
blockchain group. These changes will enable us to operate in a profitable manner as we execute against our strategy of pursuing sales growth in our commerce business and launching new products that empower customers within the digital asset and Web3 gaming verticals. End quote, because that quote was so full of businessy buzzwords, I almost threw up. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, GameStop has launched its own crypto wallet and is planning to launch an NFT marketplace just as NFT trading volume has fallen by around 90% in recent months, according to some reports. Uh, GameStop seems to think that the same kinds of people who made it a meme stock will go big on the Web3 concept, though all of this seems very divorced from what used to be the core concept of the company, a story, a store that sells video games with value-added assets like an enthusiast magazine. Uh, it also seems a bit like diving headfirst into a pool that has just been almost entirely drained of water. The tweets from Game Informer staff have been pretty heartbreaking to see over the course of the past day as their jobs are sacrificed in pursuit of this nebulous blockchain dream. It's unknown how much of Game Informer remains. It was already cut down before this during earlier layoffs. Besides Game Informer and the CFO, reports are that entire teams like data integrity approval teams have been let go. Given that GameStop effectively seemed like the video game version of Blockbuster, as everything switched to digital, their continued survival has been something of a continued miracle over the last decade as they pivot and pivot and pivot to try to retain some semblance of irrelevance. It feels just like just yesterday when there was some sort of grand plan announced to make stores a destination for in-person gaming and esports. Now it's a huge investment in the blockchain, which seems like an even riskier prospect. It feels ill-advised to predict GameStop's imminent doom, given how they've managed to survive this long, but at the same time, it also feels ill-advised for GameStop to believe crypto and NFTs are going to be their saving grace, uh, given the current realities of those quickly unraveling markets. We'll see what happens. We most certainly will. Um, well, this is kind of... Yeah, this 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 uh this is akin of like to me of like watching uh someone hit rock bottom uh and try to burrow through to the bedrock, you know? Yeah. It's it's a little hard to watch. Uh I remember I was I was um I was thinking about this over the last week of um times where I used to as a kid go to GameStop um with whatever money I had saved up, ready to buy a game, take home and play for the weekend. And uh, now I can't fathom that. Right. Um, I can't fathom dealing with that anymore. The only time I have ever, um, the only thing that actually put, so probably puts me into a GameStop is that at least of now, their brick and mortars are still uh, spread out enough where I happen to see them often when I'm in some kind of strip mall. And so we'll be walking somewhere and we're like, hey, we're going to go in there. It's like, oh, hey, there's a GameStop. Let's just stop in and see if anything peaks me. Uh, but that is literally it. But even then, like at, at this point for myself personally, even if I saw that, I mean, I might go in. I can't imagine what I would buy there. I, I in probably the last 15 times I've walked into a GameStop, I probably only walked out with something once. Like, um, and that was because I wanted a physical copy of the new Mario Strikers game so that the uh, the boys could play it. 
Yeah. Because I don't want them no, touching my that. Switch. No, I, I get that. I get that. Absolutely. <laughs> like, no, like maybe, maybe that, that's the whole point of it. Like, you know, GameStop fueled by gaming parents. Like, I it happens. Like, because I can't think of any reason. I, we just talked about this conversation the other day where friends of mine, you know, talking about uh, getting possibly Series X's, the PlayStation Plus uh, plans, the Game Pass plans, you know, things of that nature. And it's a situation of, like, I don't know why I would ever buy a physical game ever again. Like, for those that are really like, you know, I want to have the physical game for the sake of, I want to own it forever. Like, one, you don't own physical games because you own the physical disc. Because, one, that's really just a license. You're purchasing a license to be used. They can cut it off at any point in time. They're within the right to go ahead and do so. Two, at this point in time of games, even if they're a physical copy of it, they're probably not complete. I don't, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if there are any games out there anymore that are physical, except for maybe something that was like a limited run games, but they're specifically made to go ahead and be purely physical, where the game isn't complete or at its finest form, unless there's a giant update on there that might be dependent on if it even is playable without the update, you know? It is depressing how true that is. I was on a road trip about a month or so ago. And I had uh, the boys in the car with their switches and I had a game. Let me think, which game was it? It was, um, I, I can't even remember. It was, uh, you know what? I think it was Mario Odyssey. We'll go with Odyssey. Okay. And I put Odyssey into his switch. I just pull it out of my things. Like here, you haven't played this before. I think you'll like it. I put it in the switch, I hand it to him. He hands it back to me and he says it won't play. I look at it and it says it has to do an update. And I stared at it and I went, but why? <laughs> Right? Why do you need an update? The 1.0 release that's sitting on this card. Why can't you just play? Why I'm on a road trip. What do I do? I ended up having to kick up a hotspot on my phone and download the update onto a switch just so he could play the stupid game. It's not online. I, I mean, he's not trying to play Fortnite or anything. You know, he's not, there's no client communication that we have to worry about. I just, he just wants to play get on, a single player game. But it's not all loaded on the disc, or I guess in this case, the little cartridge. Right? Like, it's a real thing. It, it's an honest, real fucking thing. Like, I have the Switch games that I do physically for the sake of, I was at a time where I really couldn't afford memory card. And two, I had the, you know, the launch switch with the Zelda casing. So I was like, yeah, I want to fill the slots, you know? And that's what I did. I filled them up and I stopped buying physical at that point and now it's just like i look at my physical games and says man y'all you're warping this fucking casing you don't look that good i have i had never have you in here because i don't carry you around very much anymore i'm just not that person anymore and because i have so many games digitally i can just play so why would i worry about swapping out you know cartridges and that's just for the sake of like games up as a whole this isn't even talking about the fact that they're doing that they're devaluing their own purpose as being a place that provides video games. And also the fact that they have now let all people go from Game Informer, which is a respectable news source for the most part, in my opinion. Um, they have they have nice layouts. They have good um, articles from what I've read. You know, a few times we cover them here at the show as well. Um, and to see that go away, to see them like, let people go for the sake of a quick buck in NFT and like, uh, blockchain, like the whole <clears throat> meme stock thing that they were a part of before, like that was a moment in time. 
That's not coming back. That was to prove a point. And then, you know, it kind of went away, as it were, you know, at that point in time. At, at its at its best, what that what that like meme stock stuff showed was perhaps like or at least what how it started was that mm. kind of like deep down love of these now. I mean, the, the gamers who who depended on and loved GameStop back then are now adults. They're, you know, we're getting to uh, close to the second half of our lives almost, you know, so. Uh, those folk are there and they're coming in in whatever way they can to help this thing that they loved. Uh, my point being is that when they turn around after something like this and essentially shit on half of the stuff that those individuals also loved. So like for me, before uh, the internet was as approachable and able to pull the information that I did, Game Informer is what told me, it informed me, right, of what mm -hmm. was happening, what was going on. Um, uh, yeah. And so you, you kind of destroy that. The very collective that backed you is who you're harming with that to me. So I don't know if they expect that crowd to just be like, oh yeah, totally kill that old medium because I mean, like, I get it. The whole, the whole meme stop thing. It wasn't you know, even all that much about like loving GameStop or their, you know, their performance. It was no, a the the it was a coordinated online strike to show the hypocrisy of the stock market. Like that was a coordinated thing that was there for right. a while, and then you know, eventually it not the most much that it got shut down, but like the different groups they were using for that did go ahead and shut down because they were losing money. Because again, it's all made up money. The point got proven, and so like now it's like they don't. That's not a thing. Like their best bet, in my opinion, would have been the idea they had just before the pandemic of like turning their GameStop into more of a social hub to go ahead and play games there. You know, things of that nature. That might have had some legs in a way pre-pandemic. Now, not so much because people are disgusting. We've all learned that now. Um, I don't know how some of y'all didn't know that beforehand, but I, I, I'm hoping lesson learned directly. I don't know how some of you are still excited to go to fucking PAXs and whatnot after everything you've learned the past few years, but okay, y'all do you. I'll see you in the hell. Um, but, like... We're all just the, starved. Yeah, the, the biggest thing, though, like, all the people that working on Game Informer is like, that's a good product. Like, that's like their only good, solid product, really, that I can't really get anywhere else. Like, that is that is a brand name they can't buy. Even though they bought it, like, I, yeah. On the on the flip side, I can understand the dying mm -hmm. or the or the death of such mediums. Um, yeah. and they may. I mean, I don't get physical. I can't remember the last time I got a physical, uh, magazine for anything. So, oh, yeah, so nowadays the only time I'm gonna make it onto a Game Informer article is because I'm googling about a specific thing and they happen to cover it. Yeah. Um. I and that's it. Like, I totally get yeah. that, that point of view from it, absolutely. But it's just a thing as well of like, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to scale down. Like, GameStop's not going to exist. Like, it's going to not exist at some point. It just, it just will. Because there's no place for it in the world anymore. With Game Informer, though, that's still something I'm surprised that's the place they want to go ahead and cut costs from. Was that, like, that's the only thing that, in a certain form, could still last and make money for the sake of you don't need a physical magazine 
to make Game Informer what it is. As long as you have the, the articles and the news on there, there's an audience for that. Now, what that turns into, ultimately, don't really know, but, you know, that's a lot of really people. Like, I, this entire show that we do on, you know, every, like, three weeks, three days out of the week, come to you twice about video games, come to you once about anime. If y'all think for one goddamn second that somehow I'm going to unlock the fucking skills to be out there as a goddamn gumshoe journalist, finding all these stories, putting them in an article, and then also putting them on a Google Doc to make a podcast out of, you're out of your goddamn mind. Hmm. You you say a prayer for these people when you go to bed tonight, because uh, without them, you ain't getting shit. I ain't gonna do it. Like, I mean, I mean, you're not wrong. I yeah, I do agree with your point too. Of all the things to dial back on, is that how much is this really saving them? And right? how much are, how much are the brick and mortars really making to make this worth it? Like, it's it's worth at least thinking about. Yeah. Because to to that point, if they were to instead shift their mindset to a further digital like approach, having Game Informer on with them actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, as something that they provide, you know, their service, right? Yeah, and to to chop the head off of that, I think that bodes ill for what's coming. Mm-hmm. So I, I see your point there. Yeah, I don't know. Best of luck to the people who unfortunately, you know, got put out by this. Uh, you're amazing. Love you. You deserve the world. Thank you for yeah. being the talent that I steal content from. I'm literally, I am literally nothing without you. Thank you so much. Um, but with that, we will let go of this somber news to get into some surprisingly happy news from Nintendo of all people. From Nintendo of Japan of all people. This is, this is insane. Uh, Nintendo Japan formally acknowledges same-sex marriage. This is Jeffrey Rosu? Rosal? I apologize, I don't know. Um, from GamesIndustry.biz. Nintendo Japan has updated its corporate social responsibility information section of its website, which now states that it recognizes same-sex marriage. As reported by Eurogamer, the introduction of a partnership system selection... Oh, I'm sorry. The introduction of a partnership system section says that as of March 2021, staffers in a same-sex marriage will have the same benefits as employees in an opposite-sex marriage. The company acknowledges that same-sex marriage is currently not legally recognized in Japan, although same-sex marriages are not currently recognized on Japan law or Japanese law. This system ensures employees who are in domestic partnerships with a same-sex partner have the same benefits as employees in an opposite-sex marriage, the company said. We have also established that a common law marriage between couples that will be will be observed in the same way as a legal marriage. It went on to say in its code of conduct, it prohibits all forms of discrimination. By improving our company's systems and conducting training, we will continue our work to create an environment where each of our many diverse employees can fully realize their talents, Nintendo said. In addition, the section notes that the company has revised its regulations regarding harassment to also prohibit discriminatory comments based upon sexual orientation and gender identity. What the fuck, Nintendo? You're not cool. I, um, I'm going to, I'm going to preface this now and say that there is so much that I could try to take from this article and compare it to the systems and a lot of the challenges we're dealing with here in the States right now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to refrain from that. Um, and instead just focus on recognizing just 
how little I understood of, I guess, Japan. Like I knew Japan's culture was was quite, quite like this. I didn't mm-hmm. I maybe I just didn't grasp just how how it was, you know, like just just to think unsaid. like unsaid. Yeah, uh, yeah, like, it's yeah. unsaid, right? Like no one talks about it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm so I'm so like deep into uh, the culture here and all the stuff that we're struggling through right now. You kind of forget how a lot of the stuff that we're fighting and what is f- like angering us and what we're dealing with is just normal in so many other places. Yeah, it's a uh, it's 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 um it's a little sobering to see. Yeah. Um, so so to gloss over that from this point uh, i was curious to see how nintendo was taking this on because i remember hearing about this um i think also the 13th was when this article was put up and i remember hearing about this and i thought the first thing i thought was huh i wonder what they're doing exactly you know other than just making a formal statement but some of the stuff i saw here about how they're choosing to have their own internal way to recognize and give them like benefits employee benefits regardless of what the like their government says because the government doesn't i don't think they really have a play in how they treat their employees yeah so i am i i, I love this I, yeah. I i'm happy i'm happy to hear that uh, nintendo is uh i guess capable of just making such a stand really like you know, taking a stand somewhere, knowing that having such a stand is not really going to infect affect them uh, negatively uh, in yeah, any like, way. This isn't even like they're like they didn't come out with um. Or I just didn't say anything about like you know making a big show of in corporate offices and anything like that. Like maybe I just didn't dig deep enough to see any of that. But mm-hmm. from on it, this is the fact of like a company being like, yeah, fuck it, just do it. Like like just literally like we're not gonna try and revise any guidelines of like oh you have to qualify for this this and that. It's like. No, you, you, you're you're together. You're married, but the people have the benefits for the other way. You get those two. That's fine. That's whatever. You know. Yeah, now I, I, think, I, I, I think yeah, 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 yeah. Like I will state the um, ignorance of I don't necessarily know what those benefits are. So who even knows that these are good benefits? But the simple fact of you know setting the example of like, yeah, no, the, you, there's the reason no, no reason for you not to have the benefits. Here, here you go. Like that's it. That's and... true. I don't. I don't know how good these benefits are. The the point of it is being that they're they're at least how it's being sold here is that they're fair. They're the same. Yeah. Right. Um. Like, and no, uh, no fancy statements are saying across the board everybody gets it. Just go. That's it. Yeah. This is easy for me to say in it from my position, which is, I mean, straight white man. You know, kind of mm. fit that mold. You know, it's really easy for me to sit here and say, I, I guess, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. But to me, I think something that, that, that really is, uh, I think, from reading this, that really rubs me the right way is that this doesn't feel like pandering. This doesn't yeah. feel like a company just coming out and talking about the hot subject and trying to appeal to the public. This is them saying, hey, by the way, we gave people rights. Like It's an update in the policy. They're like, yeah, yeah no, we're that's, just that's talking. We're, we're done with that, you know. Yeah, they're not just talking. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. And, and I think that feels better than than like companies who they just put out a tweet and they say, we support this or uh, here's a new template for our Twitter page this week or blah, blah, blah. You know, this this, yeah. this feels like action. Or the story and, we covered a few weeks ago of Sony basically putting a gag order on their studios if they made the wrong political statement, things of that nature. 
which is still technically a J- Japanese company as well. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's just nice to see like, no, this is just a basic business decision that we don't want the head- headache for anymore. Basically, it's like there, like I don't know. From again, another situation like uh, you know, just straight dude, like yeah, it's just just fucking do it. Like I, yeah, I, I don't care if people personally, myself, I don't care how much of a show people make of giving someone rights. Just give them rights, yeah. Like, there's no reason not to. Literally, just just give everyone benefits. Everyone deserves more benefits to begin with. All of these companies are insanely fucking successful, insanely fucking rich. They can afford any benefits anywhere for anything. Just give them. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's 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 cool to see. It's cool to see Nintendo of all people as a Japanese company say, "Yeah, everybody gets it." Like just just everybody, we're all you're all on the same field now. There you go. Yeah, I know we we'll let it go. So sorry, skate fans. Uh, maybe next week. I don't know. We'll see if else wants to talk about it. Uh, again, PlayStation loyalty program. They're not NFTs, but there's a whole thing going on with that. Uh, those articles were going to be the skate article was going to be coming from The Verge, from Jay Peters, and the PlayStation loyalty program was coming from Tom Phillips at Eurogamer. So if you want to find out about the stories we were going to cover. Check those out. We might bring a skate over the next Tuesday with me and Ultima, but we'll find out about that. Otherwise, though, uh, we're going to go ahead and let go of this week. That's going to be the end of the show for this week. We want to thank you for joining us. We had a good time. Love having you as always. Hope you enjoy the Fire Emblem and just losing the Steam Deck talk because that was super, super fun. Nice to bring back to the, you know, more relaxed feel on there. Not just talking about super depressing news from big companies that we always do on here. Uh... Minus ending with love. Uh, no, this is th- this. Yeah, this was a good week. This was good. It was good. To, it was good to just talk about games, right? Like you know, kind of like awesome. half of like you know, most. But I say half, mostly about why we're here. Talk about games, game news, but also games like where that love comes from. Exactly. It's uh, it's the simple things. Yeah, this feels good. This feels good. Go out, folks. The summer season, you kind of you know. Play whatever right now. Like fall's not here yet. Just, just play some games. Go go get the pleasures and catalog. Go get the Game Pass catalog. Go get something on Steam. I don't know. Uh, but just just go play games. Yeah, it's a good time too. Cause once the fall and holiday season starts coming around, a bunch of stuff's coming out. So oh, I have so many games to play. I do too. Uh, that'll be it. Well, again, that'll be it for this week, folks. Uh, we will catch you on Tuesday. Myself and Ultima bring you more gaming news on Wednesday. It'll be me who trash talk, and then on Thursday, Minus and I will be returning for more on there. Uh, Minus, you feeling healed tonight? Uh, I don't. I don't think so tonight. I right. um, yeah. So, I got up work late. My brain hurts. No, I understand. I, I, I'm I'm kind of sleeping myself, so I'm gonna go veg out to some more Fire Emblem Warriors. Minus is gonna go do his thing, and. We'll see you next Thursday. Goodbye. Thank you.